welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I am producer Bill. And today, we're going to be talking about the greatest super soldiers in pop culture. Yes, sir. Also, this is going to be part of our bodies discussion to a certain extent, right? We're going to kind of get into Mm -hmm. some of the uh, kinesthetics of super soldiers. Yeah, I think we should, because there's an important line of demarcation between so-called super soldiers and superheroes, down to their function, which we should talk about right now. There's a certain je ne sais quoi to people who are super specifically for some sort of military purpose. It's almost an outdated concept, because now I think when we think about next generation soldiers, we're exclusively thinking robots. But Mm -hmm. back at a time when they didn't have robots and they were actually fighting world wars, the best you could sort of think of is what if a soldier was like so strong and so fast he could never be beaten? That would just be like the best power for the armed forces to have. Yeah. And uh, obviously, let's let's start where it starts, man. We shouldn't we shouldn't really beat around the bush. The most popular one, the the I'd argue probably the best one. And we'll, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about why he's the best one, because it's weird for Marvel, at least it's Captain America. Yeah. I mean, I would argue he's probably the best super soldier in all of superherodom. You know, he's yeah. he's the template and for good reason. Right. And so but see, I love Captain America. But I think in this conversation, I must assume the role of some sort of muckraker. I'm a damn dirty hippie, which Captain America supports. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. like he's such uh-huh. a good guy that he supports just he's like, hey, man, fuck your shield. You know what? You're right. Sometimes <laughs> this shield covers up some pretty dirty deeds. But I'm trying real hard to be an example to you guys. So if you'll just help me and it's, Oh, you're right, Steve. It gets, yeah, it gets over. It definitely gets over. Right. So Captain America's, his perfection is much like America's perfection. This sort of like, I don't know perfection, quote unquote. I don't know if it's just indoctrinated in you. Cause even as a little kid, I think as a little kid, you're almost encouraged to think Captain America sucks, but all the stories say, nah, he's really the best. All the heroes love him. He's the best. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like Superman in that way, too. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's definitely, especially within comic fans, there's a certain contingent of people who are just like, because he's, you know, the first and sort of the prototypical and like this clean cut white bread dude. It's like, oh, that's boring as shit and sucky. And then the fact that they try to put him over in universe by everybody being like, oh, my God, oh, Captain America, oh, Captain America. It just, you know, the contrarian in you wants to go fuck that guy. But there, <laughs> there's there's a lot of value to Captain America as a character in the same way that I find value in Superman as a character. So, yeah, should not be overlooked. Right. And and but see, there's also this thing of like Captain America has these this intense whole to me in his like legend because mm-hmm. as he is presented as he was presented when i was a kid you never saw captain america touch a gun mm-hmm. ever and when he killed uh that damn vampire back in the days he chopped its head off with uh, with his shield it was like really a fucking last ditch effort he like could not reason with this motherfucker and he just had to do away with this dude and it was like his his cross to bear for like the rest of his life or whatever. And I'm just thinking, how in the fucking fuck are you going to fight in World War II? Throw it, I don't give a fuck how good you could throw that shield, dude. 
Yeah. You're not rushing up to machine gun nests. They shoot your knees out. You know, right. I mean, come on, this doesn't make any sense. They and for as a youth, I really did reject that. But then I was like, well, he could he can he, he's the best physical human being and so maybe he devised a new fighting style out of being just so super and yeah. that kind of started to get over on me as i as i aged into like understanding that a lot of his characteristics are dope and him being the ultimate human to be around these gods is an integral part of how fresh the marvel universe is like he's oh, yeah. a, he's a linchpin to the marvel universe working in my personal opinion well, and I think it's telling that DC, the closest thing they have to a character like that is Batman. And Batman is about the furthest thing from like an ordinary guy that you would, you know, would just run into on the street, as you can imagine. Whereas mm-hmm. Captain America, they've taken pains to always portray him as like he's one of the little guys, like he's a common man. And that I think mm-hmm. is powerful. I also want to talk, you know, that that idea about him not using a gun. I think for the longest time, it was sort of like that Andrew Garfield movie where it's like he really wanted to go to war to help people not die. But he had like a religious objection to ever taking a life. And so he became a field medic and he was one of the most heroic people to ever fight in a war. And he never picked up a gun, but he was just committed to saving people. Like, I think to a certain extent, you can justify Captain America's position that way. And, you know, the shield being a purely defensive weapon. And it's like, I can get by playing defense and using my, you know, my gifts to to get out of sticky situations. That sort of requires him to be some version of a conscientious objector. But the Andrew Garfield character was the same way, and he still joined the army. So maybe it's like, that's what makes Steve Rogers ideal for the super soldier serum, because he's not like violence hungry, He, he but he still wants to help. I don't know. There's there's a way yeah. you can write it. I I think I just see him as fucking Sergeant York. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody thinks that Sergeant York's a bad guy, yeah. but literally, supposedly him. Maybe I'm thinking of Audie Murphy, Sergeant York, Audie Murphy, one of these guys. Supposedly, they would just like when the Germans were rushing in, they would shoot the ones in the back, like the the one the ones so that's a column of dudes rushing up. You shoot the ones back there because, mm-hmm. like, they're getting taken out, but the ones all in front of them keep running so that you can shoot them later. But you don't want to shoot the ones at the front and get them all, you know. So, like, this American hero is just blasting people's noggins off after one after another. Doom, 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 doom. And then lead him into a big cluster where he can just grab them. That's our American hero. And I just think, man. Captain America was getting it in. Motherfuckers mm-hmm. are getting their fucking skull smashed with that shield and motherfucker. Just think about how many people get shot in your unit if you don't also shoot. Oh, and, totally. and, and besides all the super heroic acts, the people you would get killed if you did not also shoot yeah. totally outweighs any example you could set or anything. So I've just my personal headcanon, A, he shot the fuck out of people. B <laughs> He fucking like smashed people against ceilings with a shield and stuff. He did all kind of crazy moves. And while he was in the real trenches doing all those crazy moves on these dudes, he invented the sickest close quarters, medium quarters, long distance fighting style ever devised by man. Fair enough. Because he's he experienced every combat, every single combat situation he could experience fifteen times a battle would be like the greatest story of another soldier's life. 
Mm-hmm. I jumped in. It was five of them with, with machine guns. He takes that out instantly with super speed and skill. And as he builds these these experiences, he's like, all right, I took that one guy's leg and I slung his whole body into those three guys and I'll use them like an Indiana Jones whip. That's pretty cool. But the fourth guy wasn't quite knocked out and he shot me and almost hit me. And I had to stomp his skull through the fucking floor because I was actually afraid of, for my life because I had thrown my shield to hit another motherfucker. So I was defenseless anyway. And he's just making all these scenarios and building and building and building. That's why he's fresh in the modern age. But as they present him, there's no way he could be so fresh in our age. And, you know, as they as they say, like the he went to he went to boot camp. He mm. jumped into a war. He fought a couple years. Got knocked down into the fucking frost. Yeah, that's kind of how they presented all throughout Marvel history. And I'm just thinking my scenario, keep him in the war for four, four years, some, some some spy shit before shit got real, then some medium war and then some real trench warfare. Get it real good. Then a big apex of the war in the Marvel Universe. And then he goes into the ice. Sure. Give him about four years of crushing skulls, shooting <laughs> motherfuckers, throwing his shield, hitting a motherfucker. The shield bounces back while he's shooting somebody. Thousands of reps, and that's why he's so ill right now. I would just think you just kind of. I would love to do the Garth Ennis book. Fucking, <laughs> I just I'll be at an editorial and I'll pitch it to Garth Ennis and just the hardest legend of how Captain America became so sick, and how now he's just doing the love tappiest pussy shit most of the time. He's mm. not giving it to you like he knows how to give mm. it to you, and that's why when motherfuckers like Wolverine come a calling. He beats their ass with the type of skill and versatility that you wouldn't expect from this super good guy. He mm. knows how to get down and really get dirty if you want to do that. But he's a paragon of virtue because he holds that back almost in a Spider-Man fashion. Like the vicious soldier shit Captain America could do to you every fucking second and you get bonged and you wake up later with a with a sword with a sword noggin. Yeah, dude, the restraint on this guy is insane. Yeah, I I I love that as headcanon. Actually, I I never really thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. And I will say that your Garth Ennis pitch cues somewhat closely to the Mark Miller version in the Ultimates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I yes think, yes yeah, which I think the modern Captain America owes a lot to because that mm-hmm. I believe was really the first time you treated his experiences in World War II as actual war. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this dude has no compunction about firing a gun. This dude has no compunction about kill, mowing people down, killing people, because like mm-hmm. that's what the war entailed. Now, sort of the jingoistic asshole persona that he had hasn't translated to like the MCU or modern comics Captain America. But I do think a lot of that skill set, attitude, history informs mm-hmm. the Captain America that we're getting currently. Oh, very much so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just think it's like in the Ultimates, we got to see literally one scene right. of Captain America in World War II getting it in. And uh, I would just love to like just explore that time and like yeah. the different battles that were won and the different that would that's just juicy to me, man. That's like some of the best Captain America stories I can think of. He's the only superhuman in the earth. You know, yeah. unless you're counting like a fucking robot that uh, Phineas Horton makes or whatever the fuck the guy's name <laughs> Phineas is. Phineas T. Horton, that's it. Yes, yes. You know, unless you count that or something or or, or Namor comes out of the fucking sea. Sure. Uh, beyond that, he's the, he's the Superman of the world. 
with all of that weight on his shoulders and stuff. And I just think, uh, last things last, the Captain America movie. I mean, I just think, man, I love Joe Johnston. Lord knows I do. I, lo- mm. I love the the screenwriters of the first Captain America went on to write the very best in MCU history in uh, the Avengers movies and uh, Endgame and all that shit. So those guys wrote that first Captain America movie. And the fact that they just like, I understand keeping him out of battle. I really do. But like that, that whole uso tour section that could have been like a boogie nights montage and we could have kept it moving that that did not have to be some chunk of the movie that weighed so much on his heart like that could be like yeah he did a bunch of that shit and then the whatever the japanese bomb pearl harbor (laughs) i don't know whatever way they want to play how long he was because they weren't going to do my four years idea they Mm -hmm. they are on the like he's roughly in there two years or so and then you know in the yeah. ice he goes. So basically, if they're gonna do that, he's doing something, then some major offensive happens, or or like he's 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 an area that's supposed to be safe. And the Germans like flood that area and start shooting up some shit and, and really it's a war zone all of a sudden. And Captain America has to really get it in. And motherfuckers is like, Did you see that dude slice two dudes' heads off and kick five <laughs> dudes and throw a Jeep on top of another two dudes and run up the wall and punch the sniper's fucking head through the roof? Did yeah. you see that? shit that was yeah. amazing we gotta get this motherfucker in the field brother and they you start know, trying to find dudes to go with him on these kind of suicide missions but they're not suicide missions because they got this guy right and that's how you get the howling commandos because it's just all the craziest motherfuckers who end up with him yeah I, yeah no i dig that and then it all culminates like i like the idea it was almost like the manhattan project in the marvel universe was sort of this side thing that they were pretty confident they'd never have to use because once Captain America won the war in Europe, they would send him over to Japan and shut shit down. And then mm-hmm. he goes in the ice and they're like, oh, what the fuck? And now they got to <laughs> drop the atomic bomb. And it's like, there's only like, if not for Captain America, there's a whole other history of the 20th century. Like, I kind of dig oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Captain America. Captain America, president for life. Yeah. You know, dude, that that type of shit. Oh, man. And how, dude, and it's that world. You know me, I'm always doing dystopias. Does that world, how bad, how fast does that world get bad? You know what I'm saying? And And then him having to, like, defend. Oh, dude. So it goes long enough for him to actually be a rebel in his own regime. Like, he gets deposed and he has to fight his own regime that he built. He's like, ah. I know these guys better than anybody, and I'm the I I you know I'm justice. And he's, so he's again a rebel, Captain America. Oh, yeah. By the way, I would imagine his policies would be very similar to Eisenhower's, who was a World War II general. Came mm-hmm. in was like, we need to introduce some of this efficiency from American military into public life. Built the fucking interstates, you know, funded all these programs. I think Captain America would do that, and much like in real life, as the country turns away from that kind of socialistic spending we're all in this together captain america's like what the fuck is going on here i'm <laughs> about reagan captain america's fucking on the run because he just can't handle all the conservative shitheads dismantling everything he was trying to build for the country dude that'd be ill yeah he does eight years sometime in the 50s maybe yeah that's but, brilliant but because brilliant. of the super soldier serum like he doesn't age yes but also like it would be untoward for like an ex-American president to be out fighting wars. So for a while, he's just like on the sidelines. Like that's when he writes a book and gets into art and like does the USO tour thing. But then the country keeps getting shittier and shittier. So that's when he has to go nomad or whatever his fucking 
alias yeah. was. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think, and I think even him. I think there's a a nice mine of stories of him in the '70s doing like personal missions that are basically, dude, in the fucking '70s, going into the '80s, a few times a year, he yes. goes and hunts Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> and the, and the, every time he shows up to kill one of them, they're like. President Rogers? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? The American president just hunted me down to murder me? Yep. Dude. Yeah. Oh, that my God. Dope. He fucking hunts Nazis. Yeah. So, so yeah. In the 70s, he was hunting Nazis and shit. And they kind of ran out of Nazis. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Well, he didn't run out of <laughs> I don't think he can. But anyway, so he runs out of, the, out of the original Nazis that he was doing in. And, and after all that's done, here comes Reagan with all this extracurricular right. bullshit. He's hunting Nazis in South America at the same time that, like, we install Pinochet in Chile. And, oh, like, shit. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And then he goes off the grid and, like, in Nicaragua, when we try to fuck with Nicaragua, that's the branching of the timeline because he he's there and now he's fighting American troops to stop the coup in Nicaragua. Oh, and now shit. he's, like, wanted by the government. Yeah. Dude, yeah. a nice 19... 19- Dude, 19, 1980s Captain America adventure in fucking Nicaragua. Sandinistas or some shit. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. And the whole idea yeah. is like all of the sort of like regime toppling that we did throughout the late 70s and the 80s, Captain America gets wind of it and is like, that's not what we fucking do in my country. And like he ends up becoming like this low key globe trotting freedom fighter. And then once the American government finds out he's been doing that, now it's like, hunt Captain America, Captain America's public enemy number one. And then he's got to like get back into their good graces by, by the time the nineties come around so that he can actually lead the Avengers. But it's well, like, dude, I, I think what happens is uh fuck it all. So yada, 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 he's super freedom fighter. And when it becomes like APB out on Captain America, I think the world says, hold the fuck up. Fair. Yeah. Hold the fuck up. APB on Captain America, cornflakes man, the dude on my cornflakes box right. from the 70s. I got this motherfucker signed. I was at the mall. He skated up to me and signed this motherfucker. It was him and Bruce Jenner. God damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's actually kind of interesting too, because then you could play into sort of the uh the dicey politics of like, are we gonna, you know, you're you're in some back room in the White House, and it's like, are we really gonna do this? This this is gonna be the defining moment of your presidency for either good or bad reasons. Just being the president who declared Captain America public enemy number one. And yes. like it just turns into this whole sort of weird political, it's not necessarily partisan, but it's this weird political gamesmanship of like, how do we declare war on Captain America as America? Right. Right, and I think I think he he survives that in a big giant adventure where he ends up uh, implicated, like finding evidence on the president and his whole cabinet, but he just turns it all over and just fucking some some like the government was so corrupt during that bullshit that basically the secretary of like health and fitness or agriculture or some shit becomes the goddamn president because all those motherfuckers got taken out by Captain America's dope-ass evidence and yes. the people he was able to galvanize to his side. And then, yeah, the the government that comes in later obviously thinks Captain America's pretty pretty cool 
And then, yeah, he becomes leader of the Avengers. At this point, I don't even want him to be frozen in the ice. I just want that to be his backstory. <laughs> dude, that would be so baller, dude. He's just like he's just like this hip old dude that looks 27. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it is what it is. Yes. You know, uh, and, and he's deadly as fuck. Oh, yeah. He's deadly as fuck. Fuck, so at dude. this point, like, yes, not only did he spend all that time in World War II fucking dudes up and is like, never again. Now I'm it's time to build the world, not destroy it. And then America the CIA starts fucking around, and now he's getting into some Rambo shit for like 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like that dude, that dude is hard. Dude. Uh, so you look at all the people who have come along to be super soldiers as well. They add, much like the different spider people, they add some sort of sprinkling of paprika on the concept. Uh, In Marvel, um, they have people like Mockingbird, who has a version of the Super Soldier Serum. Mm. Canon-wise, Black Widow has some version of some shit that makes her age really slow. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because the Super Soldier Serum became such a great MacGuffin for Marvel stories that they couldn't help but go to that well. I mean, it shouldn't be overlooked that Wolverine is a super soldier as far as Marvel's mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah, and I think I think we should talk a bit about Wolverine because I think Wolverine is one of the only people as the super soldier archetype that actually uh, even holds a candle to set something like Captain America, especially the fucking beautiful headcanon that we just made up for him. Well, yes. So, so like Wolverine to me – the point of Wolverine being a super soldier is you catch this guy who's got this weird, either the bone claws or no claws, frankly, in my mind, no claws, yeah. but this guy who's just a hard little dude who can heal from anything. And you, and he also has been living a long time, has a bunch of skills. Like the, 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 the effort it took to capture this guy was just incredible. And he was just wily the whole way. And he just, he knew how to speak four languages. You're trying to track him down. You couldn't do it. You finally got him. You got him under your thumb. You're slicing him open and vivisecting him. And he's healing right up. And you're just thinking, what, what are we going to do with this guy? <laughs> and then somebody thinks, oh my fucking God, this dude is so ferocious. He's so animal like, but so like, uh, but he could theoretically, you know, blend in theoretically if he didn't have a stupid ass uh, haircut and sure. beard. Perhaps if he didn't have a stupid ass haircut and beard, he could blend in anywhere. And as this thing, we can put bionic housings in his forearms that pop out blades that extend his reach because he's short. That's the only mm. defect in this motherfucker. He's short. So we extend his reach with these bionic housing blades. And his natural healing is super fucking dope. But what if his bones couldn't be broken? He's just this unit. He's this unit that can't be rent asunder. This guy's perfect. That's yeah. a great idea. Wolverine is a great idea. This is a Mengele shit, but it's a great idea. Yeah, it really is. Also, the Mengele comment is interesting because I do think as you look at the evolution of the super soldier, it reflects our evolution as a culture in our attitudes towards soldiers and soldiering and the army. Whereas Captain mm. America came from a very black and white, good and evil, rah-rah time and managed to go through World War II originally without firing a gun. By the time you get to the 70s, I think our entire view of the military industrial complex has become very darkened. And Wolverine mm. is very much a reflection of that. Like he was black ops to a secret location and, you know, essentially waterboarded with metal. And like, that's how you get Wolverine. <laughs> if you go by that Barry Windsor Smith continuity where they kind of 
he's this project and they're trying to like tame this wild beast and he's not even quite a man and all this kind of shit. I personally, I never caught into that. I think it's more yeah. horrifying if he was a, like a guy, like, like, but let him be a guy. He didn't have some weird psychotic break where he's wandering around naked in the woods. Like, what the fuck? Get that out of here. He's a guy. He was doing some shit. He had these exploits. He got above the radar too much. Somebody caught on to his aging or something like that, and he just started getting involved in this bullshit. They started trying to recruit him into this stuff. He he was in certain militaries and didn't age for 20 years and didn't want to be a colonel and just vamped. A bunch of that shit yeah. happened. You know, yeah. I, think, uh, I, I like that better. I think that's reflective of where Chris Claremont eventually sort of landed with him. That that mm-hmm. history that, you know, he worked with Maverick and Domino on the and and yeah. Sabretooth on the Black Ops team for a while. And, yeah, oh, and Larry okay. Hama uh, uh, adding a lot of that in the Wolverine uh, solo book. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the fact that he was essentially like they were trying to make him part of Alpha Flight with the experiments. But then it would, mm-hmm. I mean, your headcanon fits right in there. It's like, hmm, we're going to put this guy on our superhero team. I also like the fact, I, did, I never thought of it until you were just saying it, but like, he could kill people and there's no murder weapon because it literally retracts into his body. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, this is sort of the best assassin you could ever think of. Like, he literally mm-hmm. can leave no trace when he kills somebody. Dude, I mean, it's really sick. So, like, you, you got this person, they're compact, they can get in, like, air ducts and shit. They're they're nigh indestructible. You could drop them even from great heights and destroy mm. their muscles and shit. If their if their rib cage holds those lungs and that heart together, they'll be fine in about <laughs> that's, twenty that's, minutes. Yeah, you know, what you, I mean? just, you literally just kick them out of fucking helicopters, <laughs> let them fall, and it's like, well, if you want to get back home, go kill this guy. <laughs> This is the extraction point, Rambo. (laughs) There you go. And next thing you know, he's just just mowing through guys. And again, the concept of the super soldier is somebody skilled. Um, I have, again, the the Captain America that they presented to me as a kid. I do not understand why Daredevil wouldn't whoop his ass, honestly. Daredevil could fight way better than somebody who had two years of throwing a shield around in World War II. I just, that's my headcanon. I think Daredevil would beat that person's fucking ass no matter how strong they were and fast and all that shit daredevil knows your moves you can hear your hear your mountainous heart beating and your fucking your 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 gallons of blood going through your fucking augmented sinews and he'll hit you with that nerve pinch or some weird shit and fuck your ass up dude i i I got daredevil in that one under normal circumstances but the one in my head cannon bro he yeah Yeah. That's that's a that's a ass beating for Daredevil, and I, I got to say, in regular canon, I have seen Captain America really fuck Daredevil's ass up in in, in certain circumstances where it was like it was for keeps. Yeah. When it's for keeps, Daredevil can't compete with Captain America in any canon. I do uh, think but, the modern version of Captain America is a little bit closer to your head canon, even if they haven't established that backstory. That more and more, that's how they're playing him. Right. Oh like, yeah, no. The one yeah. in the movies is is more or less my head cannon with but but with a lot of it cut out because of the Johnston thing and plus the the two years rather than like four. Yeah. I just like just give me give me three, four years in country. The type enough, of shit that would affect your mind. Exactly. Enough to fuck him up. Enough to like push him to to a breaking point of some kind. Right. But okay, so what are we talking about? Uh like in, in regards to Wolverine as this person who is in these enhanced black ops situations fighting other uh other mutants other augmented beings 
mm-hmm. that's kind of a graduation of the concept too because like captain america was always the most special guy and he would occasionally fight a nazi with a shitty dirty you know version of the serum or something but really it, I don't know, man. He just was always the cream of the crop guy in the end when it came to fighting another super soldier, and they were very, very rare. But then, like, in Wolverine's time, it seems like they're everywhere to the point where he's the tenth of these motherfuckers. Right. Well, and to be fair, that wasn't canon until, like, the 2000s. I think that was a Grant Morrison edition. But again, I think that hues to what I was saying about, like, as our understanding of war evolves – these fictions sort of change to accommodate that. So, you know, having the idea that essentially the CIA is going to torture a mutant into becoming an assassin is, you know, understood to be viable in the seventies. And by the time you get to the two thousands, it's understood, well, they wouldn't have just done that one time. Those motherfuckers have been doing that for decades. Like that's how that shit works. (laughs) Absolutely. So, I think, well, what is Wolverine's like main contribution as super soldier? I think it's the deadliness. Mm. I think it's the fact that like very much contrary to Captain America, he was created to be a weapon. He's yeah, he's like the first living weapon sort of super soldier in comics. Mm, yes. Very good. Very good. That is true. Yeah. And what's interesting, I, I think it kind of branches from there because then you go on to get other versions of like the physical Marvel, whether that's, you know, I can fight better than anybody who's ever lived, but it also goes into things like war machine where it's like, what if we take the technology of iron man and slap it on a soldier and you end up getting a lot of variations of that. I mean, especially as you get into the nineties, things like the Ultraverse and valiant comics and like some of these come and gone universes really hung a lot on the idea of like the technology enhanced super soldier, which never really caught on in Marvel and DC as much as it did in some of those other publishers. But like that is a vector of super soldiers that comes up sort of late in the game. Well, I think this gives us an, a, a pretty interesting, I'd like to talk about Rhodes a little more in a second, but it gives us an interesting entree to somebody who has always been a sort of super soldier. And I'm, and it's funny that it's taken this long to come up, but we did spend some time on Captain America. That, that was awesome. Okay, yeah. That's going to make the highlight reel. Uh, <laughs> but I'd like to talk about Black Panther presently. Okay. Because yeah. he's the definition really i mean his, his regalness and all this jazz he is his country's super soldier uh he takes a, a serum the fucking purple herb you know what i'm saying he he yeah. fucking he gets super powers that are very comparable to captain america's you know what i've always loved in the mcu there's these scenes where rogers and t'challa are running towards battle mm. and they let t'challa be a little faster to the battle <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I I noticed these things. I've been living in a world that is centered on other people for so long that I kind of just look at different stuff and I'm just like, ah, he beat him to the battle. It was, <laughs> it was really close though. And they had both outstripped everybody else. Sure. And I was just like, ah, oh, yes, this yeah. is where it's at. This is, <laughs> this is where it's at. And when they were running, when he and Steve Rogers and fucking winter soldier were running, you know, in traffic, super soldier shit to me is, yeah, your body's like a car. Like what you think the average fucking sedan could do, your body can do that now. Think about how dope you are. Yeah. And I do think it was kind of mind blowing once civil, once civil war and winter soldier came about because it really felt like, you know, the Russos and whoever their action choreographers were 
just wanted to portray that with as much fidelity as possible. Like, mm -hmm. let's really show off what the idea of being like an enhanced soldier would look like in the field. That was cool. Yeah. And so I, I think when you look at at the, the articulation of Black Panther as super soldier, I think you get an idealized, a pseudo African, um, you know, sort of minority, whatever take on the super soldier, i.e. I just defend my shit, just like supposedly right. Captain America. But I also don't go out fucking with people's shit. I have my agents all around. But I kind of drop on the ground to handle specific fucking tasks. I'm not out here trying to be assembled, everybody. I'm kind of a secret. There's there's an addition of the like, I don't want to be part of your your thing. I've seen how you do people of all hues and all ranges of life. And I don't really want to be part of it too much. Uh, I'll deal with you on my own terms. Yes. Thing added to, you know, if you're your own country's super soldier and you decide to engage in war outside of your your land on your terms. That's kind of the articulation of the idea through black Panther. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of our idealized version of what a soldier should be. Like a soldier is not an instrument to go out and change things. A soldier is something that, you know, protects the home. He's like, and I hate to say this because I'm not a big fan of libertarian thought, but he is sort of like the libertarian ideal of the soldier. Like I got no business in anybody else's business. I'm just here to make sure you don't fuck with my people. Like mm -hmm. that's, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a thing. It's a, well, it, and it is, and it is idealized. And that's why I think the movie, the very first black Panther movie kind of tried to poke a hole in that. It's just yeah. like, okay, well that attitude has a lot of, uh, uh, you're neglecting a lot of responsibilities quite conveniently, yep. you know, and choosing to, to think that you don't deal with society or society doesn't affect your people. You know what I mean? Like when you leave out the Wakandan walls and you get fucking trafficked on some level, then you got to send some agents out there to do some shit. Well, why the fuck don't you go break that shit up on your own and fucking and, and make it not be a thing for anybody else's people? And, and that gets into, you know, not wanting to be a colonizer and all that kind of shit. And I think it was there's a subtle through line throughout all even the comics depictions of Black Panther, his tentative joining of the of the larger Marvel universe. It was always this tentative. It was always like he was like the brawn. I'll sign a two year contract with y'all motherfuckers, but no more. And then after that, we're gonna go year to year. And I'll mm -hmm. decide if I want to trade the whole team and make this team better here or leave for a better deal. That's your deal, Avengers. Take it or leave it. I'm not gonna be your buddy. I'm not going to be Panthro to your lion -o while y'all right. doing a bunch of bullshit. I will join for certain adventures where I, it's like, and that was another thing. Last things last on this. I know I've been filibustering, but like Black fucking Panther used to be an adventure guy. Hmm. And I just don't know why the fuck that got lost. He was, he could have just chilled out on his throne and just did nothing over there. But the whole point of him coming to the adventures and, and engaging in these things was, it was an adventure to him. He wanted to experience the outer world. He was like a homeboy from Zamunda from Captain America, coming to America. I'm not trying to yeah. be reductive when I say that, but he's like, he was like a dude who was a powerful king. Um, obviously, the principal Zamunda was very much based on T'Challa. Somebody read some Black Panther comics. <laughs> so this, this martial arts, ma master of his body, master of his senses, super fresh guy on all fucking levels and mega rich. And 
you, you can literally do anything. So what do you do? You could be paralyzed by analysis. He joins the biggest superhero group to keep tabs on them. But I'm quite sure all the flipping and the clawing and the running up the walls and the kicking fools in the mouth was pretty fucking fun. Yeah. And I just don't know where that went. Like now it's, just, it's so put upon him. Every action thing is put upon him. Well, it's interesting because it goes back to your comment about like the movies tried to poke a hole in sort of his um, protectionism. And I think that again, reflects this idea of our changing relationship to like what soldiers are and what they mean. It does cut both ways because in the movie, it's trying to indict the idea of like, well, once you've accumulated great power, what do you do with that? Do you sit on the sidelines? Do you wage war or do you try to make people's lives better? And there's an obvious answer there. However, at the same time, that does make any decision to go out and wage war and fight and have adventures. It, it brings this sort of ethical question to it that makes mm-hmm. it harder to just be that pure escapism. Well, yeah. And I, but I just think it's like uh, in the, I, I think that the adventure part is the escapism. I think it's interesting how we don't think about how hard it would be to actually go be a fucking superhero and know that you were doing the right thing, know oh, where sure. the shit's going on, have all the intel to act on this stuff. These motherfuckers got a computer that John Brasima drew for three hours. <laughs> all right. And it's from floor to fucking ceiling. And it's got all the faces of all the different guys and the different stuff. That's where you got to be to fight yeah. some fucking crime, to make yeah. some change. If we talk about the superhero world. So to me, that always justified Black Panther leaving the protectionism thing. And again, I think they went way into the protectionism part of his character in the movies. They didn't want an adventure guy because they felt as though his culture hiding their superpowers from everybody was so important. And it is that the Black Panther would never come to the streets of Munich and be running in traffic or whatever the fuck, unless something really horrible had happened. Right. You know? Right. So, so them doing that made them ha- having that phrasing from the get go made his character not by definition, not be an adventure guy because of all the blocks. I'm just like, fuck man. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like this somber blah, blah, you know, even captain America had a little fun. You know what I'm yes. saying? This, like this, this somber stoicism, fucking frankly going almost going back to noble savage type shit they do unto my boy you know what i'm saying i'm just like i don't i just don't like that i i don't i don't like that i don't think i'll ever like that and uh so yeah adventure guy got getting taken away and the addition of to my mind a slight bit too much technology to the black panther i like something that's as good about as captain america shield something unfuckwithable that you have to use with inimitable skill in order to get over with yeah black I mean, panther I, became bulletproof and 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 everything proof you know yeah the movies i think have really leaned too hard into uh, vibranium as just this magical substance that could do anything you want it to mm. like that's that's a little to be honest it's a little infantilizing because it also sort of makes like the technological wonders of wakanda more like well yeah the metal can do whatever the fuck you want it to do rather than right. you know these people are just highly educated and do amazing shit yeah um, well these these people do amazing shit with this great resource it is very malleable but their imaginations have caused them to make so much out of it and 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 you can and sometimes in the movies they kind of phrase it that way but yeah a lot of times it is sort of like oh i got a magic rock i just rub it on your butt 
Oh, now your bullet wound is is healed. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, especially after, you know, Wakanda Forever, where suddenly Vibranium can also turn people into mermaids and give them an underwater society on the other side of the world. And it's like, okay, now we're just now we're just taking the agency completely away from the technology in Wakanda. Well, and even having having certain aspects of the mind cause certain mutations in your land and the Wakandans were like, we ain't having no bunch of weird tree people and shit. We need to get this shit put into a central mine and get it put into a central reserve. And that was a big part of their society was getting this mutagenic shit sure. into a central place or whatever. But of course, that I don't think they knew that they were going to mutinize uh, people with the herb just yet as they were writing the very first screenplay. I don't know if that was all the way planned out. Agreed. Um, but I think to your to your broader point... Uh, of sort of organic super soldier versus technology super soldier, there is something I think inherently more compelling about the organic super soldier. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's it it lives in that almost believable place that you see in those Captain America movies where it's like everything he does, everything he withstands, everything, every great, you know, feat, not in the sense of like versus battles on message boards, but like just doing something that's a little bit extra. It's all something you instinctively relate to as either a reader or a viewer, because it's within your frame of reference for like how life and physics work. Mm-hmm. And, and the minute you start to introduce like armor and nanites and blah, 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 like it just breaks, even if it doesn't break physics, it breaks your suspension of disbelief because like you have no frame of reference for that in your life and experience. Whereas mm-hmm. just a dude who can jump and run and fight and take blows better than anybody else, there's something viscerally cool about that. And and let's talk about it. Yeah. When you saw, besides the times that he got hit up by straight up 50 cows and just sort of looked at it, like motherfuckers are shooting him from either a, a fucking plane or a helicopter, and then bullets is as big as your motherfucking forearm, and he was just taking them to the chest and shit. Okay, fine, whatever. Besides that, Civil War is, I'm going to use this word, perfect in its depiction of the Black Panther and his powers. Hmm. Besides that 50 cal scene, it's literally perfect. His articulation of the super soldier ideal from him jumping on the car and like gripping it up and shit, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of gives him leverage, whatever to his, like when, when um he's chasing Bucky and Bucky jumps out of the window when he lands and black Panther lands, he doesn't make any sound because the vibranium boots yeah. and he's a cat to his, like uh uh when Bucky starts doing that shit with his arm, black Panthers, like, frankly natural muscles in a way that maybe even steve's couldn't do had him basically getting over on the arm to the point where homeboy's like i'm doubting my arm this guy is so strong and last things last his 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 fighting style was so slick not just the cat claw moves but like almost capoeira slash you know africa diaspora martial artist sort of like back kicks and and donkey kicks you know you spin around and the the kick comes up yeah from nowhere it's very gymnast like. Yes, dude. I just love that. And I just so wish I could have got a lot more of that as subsequent movies come and different shit happens. And they did a little bit. I got to say some of the acrobatics that were in Wakanda forever 
were actually pretty fucking sick to me and pretty good articulations of what black panther could do uh it's just unfortunate we got it without without uh chadwick and stuff but like i i just really felt like i was really up for a lot of civil war black panther and and, in his own movie he got a little bit I could do anything, you know, uh, and I could withstand anything. And it just got a little bit, you know, whatever. It's fucking Civil War. He was such a fucking G. And I just, I wish we had got more of that. It's a tragedy on multiple levels that we weren't able to get more of just this slick, like you said, gymnast articulation, a a Dick Grayson to Captain America's Batman, if you will, and the articulation of the superhero, super soldier ideal and and body and running. But maybe we could get into the physics conversation about like, what would your body have to do to be like these guys? Well, one thing that has always bugged me, I guess even more about Spider-Man, but it applies to these guys is like, if you can jump 20 feet in the air, like you are applying so much downward force that like sidewalks should be crumbling under your feet as you do that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like think of the amount of force you would have to apply with your own two legs. I love it when the environment reacts violently to what they're doing. So things yes. like Captain America kicking that car and it's sort of skidding and taking out the guy in civil war, Captain America chasing Bucky in the apartment complex where he's you know, he's banging into walls as he mm. makes turns and he's essentially like leveling the wall, mm-hmm. um, running through doors and seeing the doors just go flying. Like that stuff really sells some of the physicality of super soldiers to me because I just think the, again, the first law of thermodynamics, every every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It's sort of the catch 22 of being so, you know, so far past what humans are used to. The world isn't used to you. And so, like, you'd be breaking a lot of things, not to say you'd be clumsy, but just in going about your fighting, there'd be a lot of not big damage, but like incidental collateral damage just because of how much force you're exerting when you do anything. How much do these guys weigh now? Because I think in the Marvel Universe, it seems to apply that, like, Captain America seems like he really actually weighs about 240 or something like that. Well, which is weird, too, because of the same physical argument, like your bones and your muscles and your tendons would all have to be much denser to handle and generate those forces, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that can pick up a car. So I would think that you might look like you're, you know, 220 to 240, 220 if you're Chris Evans, 250 if you're real Captain America. Like you should actually weigh, kind of similar to our conversation about Superman, like you should actually weigh something more like 500 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're you got much more mass to you to be able to do all the shit you do. Oh, I guess they're right. I literally Googled it while you were talking Two fucking 40, they say, which is just <laughs> preposterous. That's yeah. fucking preposterous. I'd say I'd say 380 would do it. OK, okay. I think I think three Shaq in his it. prime. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I think I think 380 would do it because you would have enough density for to, to support those type of muscles, but they would be much like Spider-Man's muscles, like the the most compact articulation of that much strength. Mm-hmm. You know, that they could be like they'd be like cables and whatnot. But and the most compact it could be blew that little guy up to like 380 pounds looking like 240. Yeah. With with the density and the weaving and whatever. Uh that's another thing about the Black Panther. See because I think about the, the the Black Panther serum being something that just sort of infuses your body that yeah. you have naturally, 
with this super vitality. It seems a little bit amorphous how it contributes to your strength, but it doesn't seem to give you very much heft. Like even because you're light on your feet, even right. even in our conception of being super dense, blah blah. This Black Panther would probably still be. Uh, like 200 pounds of just ridiculous. I mean, I guess it's sort of the Bruce Lee archetype. Those guys who are just so well-trained and so ripped that they almost look skinny, you know, they're or lithe uh, to be more generous, but they are just incredibly strong. You know, it's Black Panther to me is definitely one of those guys that could like support himself between ceiling beams by just sticking his arms and legs out and like hold that position for an hour just because like that's how you know that's how much endurance his muscles have yeah yeah anything that that, uh, anything that's like the the sort of leopard uh situation i think he could he could do and i think that's another thing about being like uh the articulation of the panther there is more of this um these different muscles are being activated. It's like, it's like just mm. sort of some of the, some of the, the crouches and the, it is very Batman like, or oh, well, Batman's very black Panther. Like these days, mm. when, when you talk about like the crouching and the, you know, of it, he's on you. And it's like, this is really fucked up. I'm getting really fucked up in this way. That isn't just like some guy kind of punching me and kicking me. It's like, this is like worse. I'm being yeah. dragged up a tree to be done away with. You well, know what I'm saying? I mean, I would think that would translate right down to like, as he's, you know, slipping out of the shadows to come at you, like just the way he moves would be kind of inhuman. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like even not fighting, but just as like he runs up on you to get the drop on you. It's like you catch a glimpse of him out of the corner of your eye and he's like sprinting at you from 50 yards away and crossing it like it's nothing. But also like his running form is sort of weird and akimbo and his shoulders right. are like doing things they shouldn't be doing. Like it's right. It's unsettling. I, I like yes. that a lot. Yes. Absolutely. This articulation again. Yeah. Of the, of the ideal. It's like the ultimate stealth warrior articulation of this. Like Captain America is like a fucking sledgehammer. Right. And he's coming to fuck your shit up. And like homeboy is like a fucking, he's like a knife that can become a sword. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Depending on what he's doing to you. And that's kind of the different articulations of how they would go about their business. I've uh, always thought I've always thought Captain America's body should more resemble the Batman from The Dark Knight Returns, just that mm. big slab of meat type guy. Yeah. Whereas Black Panther's body should essentially resemble the Batman that we described in our other bodies episode, where it's like he's just trained for the ultimate synthesis of like endurance, gymnastics and strength. Yes, absolutely. One person that I think we haven't uh, talked about my main man, Deathstroke. Yeah. Deathstroke the Terminator is DC's main super soldier guy that, that is really just in pop culture's bloodstream and seems to circulate there for all time. Now there's, we've gotten so many different iterations of him from animation to CW shows to, uh, even in a movie cameo, you know, yeah. uh, aborted movie that was about to be directed by fucking Ben Affleck, uh, his own solo movie that came and I don't know if it's going to go or all this different shit. First of all, we got to debunk the whole he hates he, he uses 90 percent of his brain. Thing. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> we got to We got to get that out of there. We don't have to debunk it because it's been debunked. Just look up how wrong that is and how how dumb it is that we that's called a seizure yeah you use 90 percent of your brain that's called a seizure (laughs) 
And the whole thing about humans only use 10% of their brain is so wrong to barely even be based in reality. The reality is like certain parts of the brain control different functions of your body and of your consciousness. And that's why they only light up at certain times with activity. And that's why if it all lit up at once, your body is going into meltdown mode. So it's, it's essentially like all of your senses are telling you danger as if there's a predator while being overwhelmed, while overwhelming your nervous system and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Yes. Right. That's the only way you could be able to use 90%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all that being the case, that's not the dope thing about him to me. I think there is something to, they were just trying to articulate the limitless concept right. with 70s verbiage. So let's just, I'm just, for the purposes of this conversation, we're thinking of it this way. So you're a bad motherfucking soldier to the point where they pick you for this program. And when you get this shit, you literally become limitless and you could do flips. You could do all this kind of shit. Like your physicality becomes Captain America as, but Captain America, I think the one that we grew up with could like bench press 800 pounds. He wasn't holding helicopters down. He wasn't having ultimate, uh, ultimate universe type fights with the Hulk. He wasn't doing that type of shit at that time. He was just the ultimate human being that seventies and eighties people could think of, you know, uh, uh, I'm talking about the people who wrote the handbook for the Marvel universe. They were just like (laughs) 800 pounds seems fucking impossible to bench press. Right. That seems fucking impossible. Right. (laughs) To be fair, like the biggest guy in your gym is probably putting up around 400 pounds on bench press. So it's more like, all right, if a dude could come in and just like warm up with the weight that the biggest guy you've ever seen in your gym is doing on bench press, that's Captain America. Exactly. Exactly. He's he's uh the Marvel Universe uh, articulated it by uh, having him punch off the punching bags. It's like he punches punching bags, but he has to have a lot of them, right? right. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. Like I, I like that level. Yeah. No. It's an absolute. Again, like you said, uh, interacting with the environment. Yeah. I think if there's one thing I left out of the uh, the Black Panther conversation is just yeah the claws and the speed yes. of him being able to parkour his way across stuff to me would be more impressive if they just laid off the technology for that. He could use technology for all type of shit. I'm not saying to neuter his technology, but the, te- the technology didn't cause him to leap 30 feet over there, land on a lamppost, do a fucking, it would silently land on a lamppost, bound off of it, and then disappear into a shadow and reappear literally a second later, but a hundred feet away. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did he do that? He must have sprinted 60 miles an hour. Right. <laughs> exactly. Know, yeah. Well, you know, something like that, right? That This is how this guy moves. This guy is just the environment that we stumble through falling on pavement cracks is his playground to a, to a, to a level that daredevil can't even approximate. Right. I, that's well, what should have been, you know, and it's because, because he's doing it with skill, not because he's sticking every wall, like Spider-Man or any of this weird shit. Right. And, and to bring that back to Deathstroke, I think, I've always thought of Deathstroke as essentially having a super accelerated refresh rate to his brain. Mm. And and when, when you talk about that, like, you know how movies, 24 frames a second means that you're seeing 24 static pictures in a single second and your brain fills in the blanks and creates motion. The most up-to-date neuroscience believes that the brain kind of does that with the entire world. 
that like you can only perceive, I mean, it's not even they think this, like it has been proven, your brain can only perceive events that happen within a certain amount of time because the brain itself has some version of that refresh rate. You can't live above a certain speed, let's say. Hmm. I think for Deathstroke, that is hyper-accelerated. So it's literally like a second feels infinitely different to him than it feels to you and I. Like to, uh, to you and I, a second just feels like, all right, this is sort of the smallest unit I can wrap my head around of things happening around me. Whereas like Deathstroke can do complicated situational assessment and like notice dozens of things in a single second because his mind and his senses just work at such a higher rate than most people. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that's a fresh way to articulate it because in the best, the best of the best depictions of him, it seems like that, like, uh, in, um, I, uh, identity crisis mm-hmm. where he's fucking, I think everybody jumps him, And basically, if they were weren't such fucking losers, like fucking Green Arrow stabs him in his already stabbed out eye. I'm like, who the fuck wrote this? What the fuck is this? Is dumb. This yeah. is the fucking best selling Brad Meltzer. What the fuck? I don't know. I was really upset about that fight scene, but up to that point, it was super fresh because it was like even the Flash couldn't like move fast enough for him to like not know basically roundabout what he's going to do from all this experience that he's that he'd had and he was able to just sort of like assess them as different threats fuck them up in like a second like do fuck up two or three of them in the first second a couple other ones in the next second and just like just perceive all that super motion as then that's why he's so good at fighting teams yeah he comes out at a time where the public consciousness is is first wrapping its head around mercenaries Right. These like, mm. these guys that like love war and kind of make war their business and how frankly fucked up that is. And so it becomes this idea of like, what if the super soldier treatment was used on one of those guys as opposed yeah. to like an upstanding citizen or in Wolverine's case, kind of an unwilling participant? What if it's a dude who's like, yeah, man, sign me up so I can kill more people? Like, how fucked up would that be? <laughs> Dude, yeah, and see, and it just shows the 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 power of the DC's version of the concept because you know Nuke, and to a certain extent, um, some of the other Captain Americas from John Walker to whatever have been kind of tried to be you know trying to articulate this sort of what if a bad guy got the the, mm. but Deathstroke, it's it's like the Captain America Marvel serum basically as Erskine says in the in the MCU movies it just makes more of what's already there so you're kind of a bright guy you're a little bookish but not a total nerd you play stickball you might be like fucking with Mensa and have good logistical skills and and be able to lead you have, you always have the right words because you're smarter you're you're a hero you're articulating heroic ideals in a way that's most appealing it's part of your superness you know what i mean yeah. but with deathstroke it's like nah fuck that this guy I, the, the 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 ideology that leads one to a program like this he may have had it but it opened up his mind to all these Hannibal Lecter esque memory palace places in his mind where it's like, I'm not a simple soldier, motherfucker. 
I control how powerful I am and what I do with my body and in service of what in service of me. He's like, fucking. he's in service. He's like, he's like Khan from goddamn Star Trek or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I, I think they've lost this a little bit, but I've always liked the idea going back to the original version of Deathstroke that he's kind of a nihilist, which is why he ends up becoming a mercenary because it's a little bit like, fuck you. I don't need to listen to you. I can do whatever I want. Everything you just said, but then it's like you look around at society and it's like, well, what am I going to do with that? Fuck it. I'll just make a lot of money. Just hire me to kill people. That's what I'm good at. You know? And like, yeah, yeah. There's something, there's something kind of viscerally disturbing about that because then it's like he becomes essentially an uber rich guy because he's a mercenary that can't be stopped. So it's like the more people he kills, the richer he becomes. And that just becomes like his reason for living. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> And dude, the reasons they come up with to keep jobbing my boy out and keep having him have these fucked up personality traits like his romancing of Tara, of an yeah. underage girl, to and to join the fucking whatever. It's just like the fact that they were so much invested, and I understand the reasoning, but in the original original conception, he was a villain. You were never supposed to root for him. You were never supposed to be on a podcast talking about how dope he was. You're supposed to say this guy is a total piece of shit i'm so glad the titans killed him in issue 62 whatever but the motherfucker was just too popular man (laughs) he was just too cool so they got a retcon and do all this flippity flip and now uh, obviously with the new 52 he never did that shit none of that shit happened he was just he's just a soldier and now he's a mercenary and he's a good guy he kicks it with black canary and they do missions so fuck you you know they got they got to do all this shit i'm just thinking why they have to do that in the first place? Because you knew this dude was too fresh. You made Captain America that's limitless. You made, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you made this brilliant character. I don't know why you had to do him like that. But again, all I'm trying to say is some of that evil history that he has has fucked him up big time. Because mm. when they try to make him a hero, I can read the first couple issues of that that series that Brian Michael Bendis wrote where and Nick Darrington uh, drew where Batman kind of went into space and shit. In the first like seven fucking pages or the first probably four or five pages, Batman fucks up Deathstroke as a matter of course. Yeah, he just sucks. comes in and Deathstroke's on some dumb mission led by somebody else for money and Batman shows up and just just fucking gta wastes this dude's ass <laughs> and it's just pathetic that's there's no way batman would have to dude batman would have to get the drop on him something fierce for it to even be a fight if they're just in a physical place yes. without all the bat bombs going off and all this shit man deathstroke will fuck your ass up dude stop that shit it should be like it should be a feat that Batman survives Deathstroke, let alone right. that. Yeah, right. That's the proper way to put over Batman. Right. That's the proper way to put over Batman. But but again, this jobbery gene they done bred into my boy. My boy started out at a beautiful, proud mastiff, and they done changed this motherfucker into a chihuahua with this excessive <laughs> bullshit breeding they done did with the motherfucker man. To the times that Nightwing is beaten by himself. Yeah. are almost innumerable now. And it's like, that's fucking insane. It the would take th- the whole Bat family to take it. If the Bat family rushed him, he would beat their ass for a few pages before some magical plot armor happened for them to beat him. Right. I agree with that. I mean, I 
I am very against this new anti-hero version of Deathstroke. One of the things that I thought justified that old Terra storyline was like, this dude was just so pissed that the Teen Titans got over on him and he was so petty. It's like, fuck it then. You know, like that's how sick in the head he was. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're fucking with my business and I'm so petty that you, that I can't beat you. It's like, I will go to any disgusting lengths. Like, that's how much I fucking hate you for no other reason than I just feel myself that much. Like, I again, there's something kind of awesome about that because it's like, it's unique, it's unpredictable, and it is 100% a villain, so you can't really redeem it. There's a world where we can have it your way, but mm-hmm. he can't be in his own book and make money which doesn't make any sense business-wise. And if he is a villain, if there was a world that could exist where villains could win two or three times a year and some big storylines that they would happen and the villain would just win at the end and the heroes would be like, damn, we lost one. That shit was fucked up. Mm. But they never do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like to make a character that dope and have him get continuously jobbed out forever. So it's, wait a minute, I'm breaking my own brain because that's what they've done with him. They've had him be sort of a hero in his own books, but anytime, ba- anytime Batman need a punch a bag, he can go be that too. What the fuck? Yeah, that's, that's terrible. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> that's fucking terrible. <laughs> oh. Fucking I mean, maybe, you know what? Maybe that reflects a modern, a modern disdain of soldiers, right? We got this super soldier. Let's just make him suck. Like that's what they thought. <laughs> Dude, I'm about to play some Toby Keith. Because yeah. that's exactly. <laughs> I'm playing on the beat. No, because <laughs> goddamn, that ain't the way to think about him, no matter what your fucking politics are. Goddamn it. That, no. that doesn't make sense. Even for stories, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I, I just think, yeah, I think we're drilling down on something here. They need to. In my personal opinion, I think they need to decide he is an event-worthy villain where it's super hard to beat him and it takes the whole DC universe all the time, like a Lex Luthor type or whatever. Or you make him the limitless John Wick that has his own uh, world of ultra criminals. And I think that's kind of the way that Priest uh, writes him. Mm-hmm. But I think he does also still take gigs. I just, I don't know if this, I took this gig for this guy thing. I think it's more like if I could, if you put a gun to my head and in real time made me freestyle something about Deathstroke, Lost Causes. He's mm-hmm. a Lost Cause guy. And Lost Causes don't necessarily have to be just. Like yeah. if if you are like, all right, Deathstroke, this motherfucker took over my mafia and he killed my mom and all this kind of shit. And all I want to do is fuck these guys up and take my mafia back. Deathstroke might take that case. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not about the money. It's about this opportunity. Oh, here we go, motherfucker. Here we go. He's Deathstroke, the Terminator. And in the Terminator sense... What's the Terminator do? I've always liked this about the Punisher, too. So this is part of any Punisher pitch that I would kick, too. You choose high-value targets to challenge yourself because Mm. you are this ultimate killing machine. The Punisher doesn't shoot muggers on the street. 
He gets into your fucking penthouse high rise. He cuts through your Lexan glass with a special tool. He gets in there. He stabs up your bodyguards in their necks. He catches you in the jacuzzi and he tortures you for three hours while you tell him everything about all the dudes underneath you. Then he throws you out the fucking window, repels down, gets into an unmarked van and drives away. <laughs> These are not regular fucking things. Yes. A, a cop can't do this. Right. Fucking Sam Spade can't do this. Daredevil can't do this. So that's the purpose of him, right? So Deathstroke the Terminator, right? He's not just some dude fucking sniping dudes from far away. He's got ultimate reflex, blah, blah. I think he would search out some of the worst people, maybe other worst metas and shit, and try to like do some real, I don't know about good in the world, but challenge himself to like fight to the death in these adventures as part of this almost sadistic ritual, you know what I mean? I can get down with most of that, but I think I think you could still make him an interesting, if not hero, at least protagonist of a book, but keep that nihilistic edge intact where yeah. it's something like, you know, like a deposed dictator comes to him and is like, I want my country back and here's $3 million. And he's like, I like $3 million. Let's go get your country back. So he kills like half the parliament in their sleep and then marches in on the rest of them and is like, this guy's back in charge. And if you say no, I'm going to kill you right now. Have a nice day. But then like weeks later, he's approached by members of the resistance that are like, we we put together a million dollars. If you can help us overthrow this guy again. And he's like, I like a million dollars. Let's go overthrow <laughs> that. You know what I mean? So there's really nothing that he won't do. Right down to the fact of like, well, I, I killed a bunch of people to accomplish this like three weeks ago. But if you can pay me to undo it, I'll go undo it. Like, I don't give a shit. You know <laughs> I what don't I mean? give a shit. Like, I think that's awesome. I, you know what? I do think a nihilist. Okay, here's how we could flip it. Okay, here's uh, 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 yes ending you. He does these nihilistic things and the book is about some of the some of the nihilistic things coming to a head. You know, like different things that he's left in such disarray coming yeah. to a head. Like if we were going to do like a 12 issue maxi series, it'd be like some of those things coming to a head. I think I think the thing with Deathstroke is like if you're going to do a series that stars him, whether it's TV, comics or whatever, you need to create a situation where you can luxuriate in how much better he is than everybody. And mm -hmm, I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of a comparison because I know this exists already in some form or another. But it's like, it's not about challenging him on a moral level. It's really more about challenging him just on a, like a logistical level. It's more about like, I need this shit done. And at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter to him whether or not he accomplishes it, but he's going to go do it just because he's the best at that. And then like, as mm -hmm. shit goes, even as shit goes horribly, horribly wrong, he'll improvise. It's almost like a Mission Impossible setup. But instead of following people that are fighting for the good of the world, you're just following a guy who wants to get paid. And so he'll do horrible, heinous shit and adapt to like the most crazy circumstances and constantly be improvising and improving and like changing the plans. But it's not it's not for any greater good. Like he just wants to collect the bounty at the end of it. I think, though, the money thing is just it makes it be a little reductive for me. I think okay. the money's great. This is what I would say. I'd say you have a character be like, how much money does Deathstroke have after doing all of these missions? And the Wintergreen character, whatever, his butler, whatever, says, 
he spends all the money doing oh. the missions. That's he's, he's <laughs> let me yes. Okay, I love that. Let me yes and that. So then I think your story becomes what happens when that guy loses? The first mm-hmm. time he loses, he's gonna become fucking he's gonna take that personally, like Michael Jordan, right? Like yes. he's gonna become so obsessed. Like, what the fuck? Like the fact that he doesn't get paid. The money doesn't bother him because he just, I mean, he might as well have burned it anyway. But the fact that like somebody managed to foil him, now he's like a fucking hungry dog. And it's like, oh, fucking no. And so it becomes, again, it's almost Punisher-esque where it's like my one purpose in life is now to bring this guy down. And whether that's the Teen Titans or Batman or whatever, mm-hmm. you're essentially telling a supervillain story from the other side of the coin, like, this guy gets just so obsessed with destroying that person or that organization that it takes over his entire life. And then, yeah, if you create a supporting cast around him, that is sort of a bunch of punch clock people where it's like, look, he sucks, but like, you know, he's going to bring in money and I get paid and he doesn't ruffle my feathers and I don't ruffle his. So whatever, like the minute that homeostasis is interrupted. Now all those people are like, Oh fuck, you know, whether it's his butler, whether it's some black ops person that he has like some sort of grudging alliance with that lets him operate, you know, mm-hmm. you create that supporting cast and it's their world that gets fucked up by him becoming so single-minded about I got to get Robin or whoever the fuck else. Well, I mean, I think also that that pitch you're talking about like somebody really really fucking his shit up if that person was like a bat person or some bullshit. I think in the end of that whole story, that stroke has to win. He he fu- he fucking literally like the Batman stops him from doing some major shit. He's leveraged himself for some other shits where he needs like this hundred million dollar purse that he's about to get, and he yeah. fucking gets fucked out of it because Batman barely beats him on some bullshit technicality, and he doesn't get paid the bounty, and he's like. He has to go fuck up the person who didn't pay on the bounty because it was really just a technicality. You should have paid me. Sure. And he also has to fuck up Batman. And in the end, he has to, in the end, Batman or the Justice League or whatever the fuck, whoever you talk about, at the end, they have to be like, fuck, he got me. Like at mm-hmm. the end, that last panel of that goddamn book, if it ain't Deathstroke on a boat drinking boat drinks, whether he's got both arms broken or not, he at the end of that book, some superhero has to go fuck yeah. that has to be it because I, I that's feel, Destro. Okay. So let me, this is kind of a yes. And this came to me as you were talking about that and how it would end. This is sort of a bonkers pitch, but like what if the Jason Todd Robin fucks up his shit and then it becomes, I'm going to kill that fucking kid. And then Batman <laughs> is obviously getting in his way because Batman's not going to let this psycho kill Robin. But he's, again, he's whooping Batman's ass, and he's like, Batman, I don't have beef with you, but I'm going to kill that fucking kid. So either you let me do it right now, or I break every bone in your body multiple times. But however this ends, I kill that fucking kid. But the punchline (laughs) is that in the end, the Joker kills him, and now Deathstroke has this existential crisis of like... I didn't close the loop. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> and it like drives him. It drives him even more insane. And that puts him into full supervillain land. Uh, dude, I fucking I kind of love that. Like that this weird uh, the lattice work in your brain when you've been experimented on. I think 
every time in the movies it goes great. You drink the purple the purple drug. You talk to your you talk to your dead ancestors, but you're not crazy. Right. You fucking run up walls and shit, but you're not all fucked up. You're a regular guy. You can you can teach your your sister how to do technology. You're fine. Uh, you drink this pill. I mean, you drink this super soldier shit. It balloons up your body. It makes you be super big and super strong. But nah, your mind is pretty sharp. You give good speeches. Everything's great. What? Why is that? Like, wh- why is that all? Yeah. And, and and again, they always say that it only worked one time with Captain America, and I love that because Nuke is fucked up. Uh, uh, fucking whatever that dude with the tendrils, goddamn Omega Red and them oh, yeah, are all yeah. fucked up. Uh, Maverick sucks ass. If he's not <laughs> fucked up, he sucks ass. Sucks, yeah. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> all these weird motherfuckers with the super Phantom X is, is the dopest super soldier in Marvel besides Captain America and Wolverine, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, but all all that to say, being limitless in that fashion. I just think they hardly ever connect that to why he's bad. It is always, and I'm not calling the nihilism simplistic, but I'm saying it is always simplistic as, oh, I'm, I'm a nihilist. I hate everything. I don't. Uh, but it's like, okay, why are you a nihilist? Because you can see the outcomes of every fucking second. Deathstroke could make a fucking hundred million dollars shorting the stock market. Mm. That's another reason why the money, the money thing doesn't doesn't move me right as Fair a enough. plot. Thing. Yeah, you know what okay. I'm saying? Because like he, the fucking guy from Big Short, Deathstroke saw that a year before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And had already set up stuff to where it's like when that guy was buying up those futures, he was like, "Damn, all the inventory is gone because <laughs> somebody this, sniped." Who's this Wade Wilson? Because that's his alias that he's using. Right, <laughs> buying all this stock. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, so like I'm just thinking like the money thing is a thing. It's got to be. And again, flipping it once again. Where is talk about terminating, right? You got to terminate high value targets. They, if this universe had any balls, they would just let him kill some of the heroes that suck ass. Yeah. Just let him start murking these fools like, like they did with Scourge and Marvel right. in the 80s and 90s right. and shit. They let Scourge shoot a bunch of people who sucked and then the, the Punisher kill him to let, let you know that there's an ecosystem here. The shit going on, the shit is real. Like permanent yeah. shit happens, you know? Yeah, totally. Fucking, Angard the Screamer catching a bat. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It would also be a great way to I, I immediately think of like when you have characters that sort of outlive their usefulness. And the one that comes mm-hmm. to mind is Bane. Like mm. Bane was literally created to break Batman's back. And like they've done some interesting things with him in the meantime. But like you kind of hit a wall with Bane. Where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, now if you just want somebody to physically menace Batman, I guess fucking use Bane. Like, what else are we going to mm-hmm. do with them? Like, it would be great if Deathstroke in some comic just killed Bane. Mm-hmm. And and it was kind of easy for him. Because then it also establishes a pecking order where it's like, oh, this dude mentally and physically broke Batman. And then Slade just kills him, you know, without breaking a sweat hardly. It's like, that's a dangerous motherfucker. Dude, I'm telling you that this thing, and I think there are people out there who are like kind of being like, okay, bro, I understand he fought the Teen Titans and he he could fight some of the Justice League and stuff like that, but they're just kind of, kind of, uh, he's like a super duper Captain America. Why is that so deadly? Why why could he fight everybody so good? All this kind of shit. It's just like, no, 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 no. Just don't understand Deathstroke. Deathstroke against one man is preposterous i don't care who that one man is i don't give a fuck mm-hmm. i saw him in deathstroke's book yes it was deathstroke's book but hey it's canon just batman like batman and him fought on a ledge 
both of them hale and hearty and healthy. And the smackdown he put on Batman in that limited space. And it wasn't like, ah, we, we don't have enough space to fight for you to jump around and hide from me now. I've deduced it. No, it was just like Batman was feeling froggy and was like, this motherfucker's doing some shit. I got to stop him right now. And he tried his hardest. And Deathstroke took him apart so fucking easily that it was stupid. And Batman was like bleeding and fucked up. And it was like a... It was like, I could do this all day type of scene for Batman. He was getting so fucked up. And it's like that, that happens to him. So when I read a comic where Nightwing beats him and drops a bunch of packing crates on him or something, I'm just like, I don't understand where this comes from. I don't understand how you guys can motivate this. I don't understand why you job this guy out. I don't know why you're doing the IP dirty like this from whatever angle you want to stay it. I don't understand why you're doing this and allowing this to happen. I agree with that. One of my favorite Deathstroke comics moments was actually in the uh, X-Men Teen Titans crossover. George Perez draws a beautiful, it's either a 12-panel grid or a 16-panel grid, where Deathstroke defeats the entirety of the X-Men in one page. And, like, <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Because it's like, he just Aikidos everything they do. And, like, by the end of the page, he's just standing there with his hands on his hips, having defeated every one of the X-Men. It's great. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, the X-Men be catching bad ones, man. Spider-Man beat they ass. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, it seems like teamwork should be you guys forte. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, I, would think. I would think. But, but again, that's like the, they're like a good put over device for one character to be able to beat up such a well, well-run machine. Right. But yeah, Deathstroke is like that. And I, why don't you have some sort of breakthrough happen for that character that's so smart? He's so smart. And then there's something that clicks in his head one day, like almost like a, a delayed effect of the of the drug or whatever, and it and it drives him drives him sane, maybe. I don't know. But, hmm. but the bottom line is he starts realizing, oh God, I've been going about this so wrong. And I can and just a book about him like either like writing scores that he lost in the past, like fucking he lost the Nightwing in this way. He goes and beats Nightwing's ass in a specific way that is satisfying to him, and he goes check mark thanks and he just goes through the dc universe it's like a punisher kills the dc universe but it's like a deathstroke setting the tables right book so it's like every every issue he's going after a superhero and gonna fuck their shit up and and Mm. sometimes he wins in this pyrrhic victory way where he's all bloody and fucked up but they lost something they loved sometimes they just get their ass beat in this interesting way where it's like a colombo mystery you know who did the crime but now we're gonna see colombo Dude, I, I was gonna say it's kind of like my name is Earl, but with Deathstroke. Like he's just got to get through <laughs> that list, and every time yeah. there's complications, but he's just gonna make it through that list, right? And sometimes it take him like two, three issues to get through the list if there's a sufficient, sufficiently big character that we can kind of build an arc around. But really, one issue, two issue, sometimes as many as three issues. But that is his book. He's just going. He's fucking dudes up, and then and then sometimes you throw in an issue like issue eight where he literally killed Gotham girl and that other motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he Gotham, just killed Gotham them and Gotham girl. Yeah, totally. He, he just fucking killed them and we don't have to worry about them anymore. They're fucking dead. I love that. By the you way, know? I love, I love just having the, uh, essentially the eraser character. I mean, the Terminator makes sense there. Dude. Like, any character you want to get rid of fucking send Deathstroke after him. Dude, I'm t- dude, the shit writes itself. He's the Terminator. Let him get back to, terminating people i also want yes yes to everything you just said and i also want to make the point that my weird jason todd deathstroke origins still could work because 
Jason Todd was Robin when Dick Grayson was leading the Teen Titans. So if he becomes obsessed with killing Robin and is robbed of that opportunity by the Joker, he just transfers it over to the Teen Titans and that Robin because he's like, all right, now I just got to kill all the Robins. And that sort of like <laughs> sets him down the path of being like this psycho supervillain. Anyway, yeah. just, just had to say it. No, no, absolutely, dude. And, and that's what we do here, man. We come up with these pitches. So as, as we dismount here, what is the overarching thing that we could say about super soldiers? I just think the reason why they're cool is in the superhero milieu, they're started for this one purpose and they inevitably get repurposed. You start out as a warrior defending your kingdom of super spy slash stealth technology people and you become an adventurer with this team and you and you proactively do stuff for the first time and you kind of get a taste for it and it's fun you start out as a fucking guy who opened up his brain or whatever the fuck and you start you become a nihilistic mercenary <laughs> who <laughs> takes on super teams you know it, there's something cool and captain america starts out as this i'm gonna lead america into a war for the specific purpose and win this at any cost Mm -hmm. uh, now I lead this international team of motherfuckers who do shit all over the world. Every single time the super soldier shit is, or the soldier part is repurposed for a larger goal than just the goal of the soldier. Right. I think why that works though, is because war is the closest thing to superhero battles that we can conceptualize, but is still like within our everyday experience. And we know, increasingly so, you know, ever since the 60s, we know sort of the cost and horrors and scale of war. And so it, it becomes very real for us. And so thinking about what happens when you introduce this X factor into this thing that we all sort of have an inherent feeling, understanding of, it automatically makes it relatable because it's like, you're not dealing with cosmic forces from space or people with extra genes or, you know, blasting energy out of your hands. It's just, we're going to take this thing that, you know, and we're going to crank it up a couple notches and we're going to put it in the most violent circumstance we can, that you still have like real world firsthand knowledge of. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that, that just, I think it sells the whole conceit of the superhero. Like what if there was this one person who can make outside change with their own inherent power? Like never is that so perfectly distilled than a superhuman in a war milieu. So once you graduate that character into different milieus, I think he still carries that inherent sense of, of empathy or understanding or relatability from your audience because you know, Captain America can stand toe to toe with Thanos, but we still understand that he's a guy who goes into the gym and warms up with the weight that the biggest guy in the gym maxes out at. And there, mm -hmm. you know, we know what that is way more than, you know, what Iron Man's suit can do or what Thor can do or whatever the fuck else, because it still exists within our framework. Right. And uh, I guess as, as super dismount, I do think we should talk about roadie for like two minutes because mm -hmm. i think what's interesting about all these other guys is yes the physical component we are our bodies get stronger our muscles are this or that the other but james rhodes is the first super soldier for real like he is from starship troopers he's like 
yeah. Heinlein's dream from Starship Troopers. I have an exosuit. It protects me from stuff. I can fly under my own power. I have super strength. War Machine is bristling with weapons. Mm. There are so many fucking weapons on that thing. And there's something, too, like uh, I think we we pitched um, a War Machine series one time where War Machine would basically just be like, hey, uh, kind of like how Deathstroke was just now, just being <laughs> like, hey, do you, do you have you know some hill you need to take that's very important to your shit? And you can prove to me that it's that it's you know viable for the world stage. Okay, I'll go do that. You don't have to risk your soldiers. I'll get that handled because I have yeah. a couple couple things on my back. They're just like the things you would shoot, and I got a bunch of rounds. How many rounds of ammunition do I need? I need two more ammo packs. All right, drop the motherfuckers right here. You know, he would just gear up for yeah. like a like an improvement job, like a fucking like hey, you you need to add an addition on your house. I'll show up with enough tools and enough guys to do it. I'm the guys. And these yeah. are the tools. Yeah. That's fucking sick, man. <laughs> like oh, you're well, a real soldier. I do think there's there's an interesting um, difference between examining the military industrial complex vis-a-vis experimenting on people versus the military industrial complex co-opting weaponry. Mm-hmm. And like even on a story level, I am so sick of oh, you're a mutant, you're an enhanced person, you're superhuman, whatever. The military is going to bag you and take you to a black site and just start doing experiments on you. If I never saw that again in a movie or a comic book, it would be too soon. But that idea of, oh, you've invented an ultra-powerful piece of technology, how does the military, first of all, get their hands on it, second of all, use it, and what does that do to like the geopolitical power of the world Tell me that story all day. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that comes back to the idea of relatability where, I mean, part of it is just when you're kidnapping people and experimenting on them, the moral line is so simplistic. It's almost not interesting. But when you're doing the same to weaponry and technology, suddenly it feels so much more realistic and relevant because that mm-hmm. shit happens every day in our world and asking those questions are really juicy questions to ask. I think we can hit on something here that's pretty deep. It's like the Iron Man suit, when Rhodey comes and says, when are you going to make one of these for the Air Force? And mm-hmm. Homeboy's like, no, I'm just going to keep it for myself, my corporate shit. I like to drink and get fucked up with ladies and shit. And I just like to do what I like to do. But I'm going to have strapped to me something that is worth probably, what, seven jets? I'm just chilling in the most expensive and most deadly fighter jet ever built by human beings. And it's just mine. And I, and I bum around in it. That's me. Right. And so Rhodes being like, no, fuck that. That doesn't make any fucking sense. You need (laughs) to like literally give one of these to the fucking military. We're the good guys. We're doing stuff. And Tony's like, not so fast, my friend. And and Jimmy's like, James Rhodes, like motherfucker, that's your whole thing. It's, the whole thing and you what the fuck you used to be republican what what you went to one hippie party <laughs> right 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 <laughs> you used to be republican like me yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got turned out motherfucker we used to be part of the fucking military industrial complex <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> just well, roadie being the one to say that to him yeah, I, which was which is kind of funny in and of itself but but that even that character conflict I think is pretty juicy. And mm-hmm. 
and again, you know, you could do that with so many, it's like teleporter technology, any, anything that looks and quacks like a death ray, exoskeletons, <laughs> you know, it, there's infinite variations that also you could think of like an infinite variation of military uses for that shit. And it removes sort of the moral clarity of like, well, we can't kidnap and torture a person when it's just weaponry. And so again, I just think that's, to me, that's a setup that doesn't get old that I don't think they've done enough with, which is also why I'm looking forward to Armor Wars, because it feels like they're going to get into that. Fuck yes, man. I, there's so much about the super soldier serum as this thing that when it gets out, it's we got to keep it under wraps because blah, blah. Man, them Iron Man suits are so much more important than these <laughs> yeah. motherfuckers bench pressing Toyotas. These motherfuckers are going to rain fire from outer space on your ass. <laughs> totally. Totally. What the fuck? Yes. You know, so so Rhodes being like a world power, that's literally what I want to see. I want to see him be a world power and be part of having to say what's what because yeah. he is the recipient of all that armor power. He's not just some sucker who's going to have the iron patriot version of the shit with a few modifications like tony gave him the keys to the car you know what i'm saying and i think he's gonna be really able to do some super iron man shit with with the stuff that he has i think he's gonna be a world power i hope so and it, i mean if nothing else that is the modern version of the super soldier story that is most relevant and most interesting in this time and place. So they would be stupid to not go that route. So there you go. That is our ultra nuanced conversation about super soldiers. Uh, we went into their, their kinesthetics, we went into their body composition, we went into uh, what they mean to the concept of super soldierdom. And th that's kind of what we do here. So if you want to support the show, please join our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. The other way to give us some money is to go to manscaped.com and get you a beard hedger. Get on down with that shit. Uh, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. I'd love it. And uh, the, go in and put uh, the discount code uh, greatest pod in at checkout and you get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, another thing you could do is give us a goddamn review. Five stars, baby. We're trying to grow. Shit. Can't say it better than that. I will also say, Ed, your beard has never looked better. Ah, well, you know, it is uh, the the efforts of the Beard Hedger, uh, Titanium Blades. It's got uh, <laughs> one guard that doesn't have all that bullshit, and I do it sometimes in the shower because it's super fucking waterproof. Can't You really can't beat it for the price, and uh, especially since they sent me mine for free. But you should pay for yours and use the fucking promo code <laughs> GREATESTPOD. Uh, it would really fucking help us out, actually. I mean, we're on like a trial thing with them. We need a certain amount of people to buy something from there and use the promo codes, uh, greatest pod. So like if they did that, it'd be super cool because we could like make more stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And the Patreon, does, you know, points to that, too. But the reviews really help us move up the charts. So it would be really super sick for people to like drop reviews. I'd love to get out to more people. I want more people joining you guys in the fight club. So if I could break the rules of fight club, guys, tell more people about the greatest pod. There it is. Well, thank you guys for listening to a jingoistic, patriotic, self-sacrificing episode of the greatest pod.